Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard, good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, none other than attorney at law. Dina Saik Dahl, law and crime legal analyst. We got a lot of legal stories. Today should be a fascinating breakdown. Also in the bullpen, we got a treat. An actual police chief will be in the bullpen with me today. We want to stick and stay for that. All right, top story of the day. Here it is, yep, Marjorie Taylor Greene has been appointed to the COVID-19 committee. Also, Vice President, the former VP, Mike Pence, he got classified documents at his home too. Let's get into it. House Republicans have tapped members who will lead an investigation into how the government handled the coronavirus pandemic, including conservative firebrand and conspiracy theorist, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. The lawmakers will also finally get answers to the COVID origins and the federal government's research that contributed to the pandemic, according to McCarthy, the current speaker. So Green, this was interesting, Green, who emerged as an ally for McCarthy during the speakership fight, but still holds a megaphone with the party's right flank, is among the Republicans getting a seat on the subcommittee. It is the latest high profile boost for Green, who was stripped of her committee assignments by Democrats and about a dozen Republicans due to her ridiculous rhetoric. But Republican leadership pledged to reinstate her to committees if they won the majority. Remember when I said they were not negotiating for you. They were not holding up the election of McCarthy for Republican voters. They were doing it for themselves, for their own power, position, status. And here it is, McCarthy has handed her other plump positions, including a seat on the oversight committee and Homeland Security Committee. Marjorie Taylor Greene is now in receipt, ladies and gentlemen, of actual highly classified 
information. There's more. Representative James Comer, Republican out of Kentucky, who is leading the oversight committee, which will house the select subcommittee, also has pledged to conduct investigations into the coronavirus and pandemic era aid dispersed as part of several COVID-19 relief bills that total trillions of dollars. What's going on here? Now, obviously, these are witch hunts. These are political dynamics and not substantive within government. But there's a strategy. And damn it, I wish Democrats would figure this part out. What Republicans are doing, and listen, I'm just talking strategy. We can talk about the ethics of it on the other side. The strategy for Republicans is to always have an ongoing adversary. To always have an ongoing adversary. As long as they can create an enemy, they typically are able to utilize the created enemy, the manufactured opposition, run campaigns against this manufactured opposition, win an election and not deliver a damn thing policy wise to the individuals who voted for them. Now remember, they have done this routinely. If it's undocumented immigrants and caravans, or perhaps gangsters who are just going through communities, committing all kind of chaos, the list goes on and on. Every single election cycle and non-election cycle, Republicans affix an enemy even if they have to create one. And they will create this manufactured enemy and they will tell the American public that this is your actual enemy. Yeah, the media is your enemy. Yes, um, activists are your enemy. Black lives matter, that's your enemy. They have done this routinely. You see, we actually have real enemies, real oppressors. If you are even left leaning, you don't have to be a progressive, even if you're left leaning, You should know already, typically banks are not for you. You should already know there are various systems inside of the criminal justice dynamic that are not for you. But do we strategize around these dynamics? No, we say we will change them. We beg for power, Democrats will say vote for me, I'll set you free. And as soon as you give them that endorsement, they obtain the power. And then they explain four years why they do not have the power to change the thing they said you gave them the power to change. Now, watch how a Republican liar, I mean lawmaker, responds to absolute truth and the hypocrisy goes unchecked. Here it is. To determine if there are classified materials there, but additionally, I believe the FBI needs to search the residences of Hunter Biden and any business offices of Hunter Biden to determine if there are classified materials there. Because if these classified materials in particular implicate Burisma, Ukraine, Communist China, payments going to Hunter Biden or Joe Biden's brother of the Biden family, then this shifts from a political problem 
to a very serious problem of criminal liability and, and major crimes. And so the FBI needs to search the University of Delaware archives, and they need to search Hunter Biden's home and business address. You hear this, Senator Ted Cruz would like the DOJ to search a private citizen named Hunter Biden. Uh, Hunter Biden, who the right was really fascinated by because he smoked crack at some point in his life. Hunter Biden is a private citizen nonetheless. Now, if you engage in this kind of witch hunt to possibly, perhaps, find information that may possibly, perhaps, connect to this element or that element, or maybe it connects back to the president himself. Well, what are they doing here? They are following the play that Donald Trump tried to implement. He was just too sloppy. Donald Trump literally contacted the head of state of another country, wanted that head of state to investigate Hunter Biden, a private citizen for the sake of destroying his political opponent, a former vice president of the United States. It is the same methodology, but a different variation. So as soon as Ted Cruz made that proclamation about searching the archives of the University of Delaware and everything else, soon as he did this, the commentator says, well, listen, what about former Vice President Mike Pence, who was also found to have classified documents? Here's the answer. Um, just as an addendum to this, the news came out today, I'm sure you saw it. That uh, former Vice President Mike Pence, a friend of both of ours, he's found some classified documents, uh, I think, at his home in Indiana, not in his office. Uh, what do you make of that? Is this different from the Biden story? Does this complicate the story? Are we going to continue the bull market in special counsels? I'd rather have a bull market in stocks than in special counsels. How do you see it, yeah. Senator Cruz? Oh, look, the, the Mike Pence story, it's still early. Uh, you know, Mike Pence, and as you noted, he, he is a good friend. He's a good man. He's explained where these came from. What his office has put out is, is, is that in packing up the vice presidential offices, that, that there were a couple of papers that were classified that were inadvertently put with non-classified materials. That was a mistake, but there's no reason uh, to think it was anything but inadvertent. That is very different from what Joe Biden has done. Joe Biden has given zero explanation as to how these classified documents got there. And in particular, he has given no explanation as to how he has documents from his time in the Senate. Listen, I've served in the Senate for 10 years. I have read a lot of classified documents. I mean, damn, he went from prosecutor to defense attorney in 0.2 seconds flat. Right? This is the game they play. They're getting away with it. Until, hopefully, somebody checks them. All right, Ms. Dahl, thoughts here. Yes, so many thoughts. You know, I think you're absolutely right about the Republicans finding a boogeyman. And I think Hunter Biden is the new Hillary Clinton. They just love bashing on Hunter Biden. And it's interesting because he was never probably, he probably was never given 
the authority to even review classified documents. He was not an employee of the government. So it's like really far fetched that he would even have it. It would make more sense to think Jared Kushner or Ivanka Trump would have documents because they actually had, you know, the status to be able to review those kind of documents. And you know, at the end of the day here, I think that the American public in the midterms wanted didn't want to elect the really incendiary super right wing. I mean, they lost a lot of their elections or were very close to losing Lauren Bobart's case in Colorado. And so when when McCarthy appoints Marjorie Taylor Greene to these committees and we're gonna hear kind of really again, like really rhetoric that is gonna be really crazy. I don't know how else to say it. And I think that's gonna turn off ultimately a lot of people. People have a lot going on in their own lives. They just want government to function. Sure, some people might enjoy the Hunter Biden bashing, but I think they might take it too far and um, and actually like turn people off. We shall see. Um, I do believe they will take it too far, and I do believe they will turn some people off. But they will also turn some people on. Uh, individuals inside of the political establishment known as the right are looking for red meat, especially those who are racist. And it seems as if more and more are coming out every day. We will continue to give you the, give you the update as it develops. All right, police chief selling, well, drugs was escorted out of City Hall for allegedly being a trap star, I don't know. Okay, let's put it up. This is so insane, and let me tell you why. This is the third police officer and the second police chief that we've reported on who has been accused of being a prolific trafficker of drugs. Greensburg, Pennsylvania. The police chief you're looking at right there, his name is Sean Denning, 41 years of age, is now facing several federal drug charges after he was escorted out of City Hall Tuesday morning by DEA agents and taken into custody. The Marine veteran joined the Greensburg police in 2008 after serving with the NYPD and a department in Maynard Borough. He quickly rose through the ranks and was promoted to chief quickly last March. All right, so the case is being investigated by both the DEA and the FBI. Denning is charged with two counts of aiding and abetting the distribution of cocaine and three counts of aiding and abetting the distribution of meth. According to a complaint filed in federal court in Pittsburgh by the DEA. Denning is also charged with conspiring to contribute to distribute, excuse me, controlled drugs. The complaint alleges that Chief Denning facilitated the acquisition of cocaine and methamphetamine by a confidential informant multiple times from June 2021 to October 2022. The drugs were from California and Arizona. Then delivered to the confidential informant through the US mail, according to the complaint. The indictment said Chief Denning connected the CI, confidential informant, and others with drug suppliers and sent 
menus and prices of product to the confidential informant. This is an organized scheme. At one point, Chief Denning also allegedly gave the confidential informant cornhole bags when the CI lost money on a drug deal with someone Denning, Denning allegedly vouched for. Denning has already made an initial court appearance and he is free on a $250,000 unsecured bond that requires he have no weapons at his home and surrender his passport according to court records. He was ordered to have a mental health evaluation. If convicted, the chief faces a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison, a $1 million fine or both. All right, uh, let's put up a picture of the mayor, okay? Uh, so in a statement, the Greensburg mayor, Robert Bell, did in fact confirm this did happen to Denning and Denning is no longer employed by the city and that was basically basically it. Okay, so let's go ahead and talk about this openly. What in the hell is going on with police officers selling narcotics? And not just everyday cops, we've reported on multiple officers who either A had rank or B were the chief, the chief of police. Now how does that work in a department? How does that go down? Is it even feasible to believe that a chief or a police officer can have this kind of massive distribution network, sophisticated operation, organized scheme, coordinated drug affiliates without one other cop being aware? Let me pose a what if to you. And I'm saying what if now because these stories are happening too many times. What if there is a wink and a nod from other jurisdictions? What if there is a more coordinated scheme among members of law enforcement? What if we're just at the tip of the iceberg here? All right, Ms. Dahl, you have your legal mind here, okay? This is not a backdoor drug deal. They were involved in a sophisticated plot that obviously was sustainable and effective at doing what they wanted to do, creating a distribution network for cocaine. What are your thoughts about this? Do you think the chief acted by himself? You know, that obviously I don't know. I mean, I think it is possible. You, when you are somebody at that level, the amount of like knowledge you have about where you're sending your police officers, where they're gonna be surveilling, where the cameras are is extensive. I don't think it would be that hard to hide something like this. And you know, I think it's astounding actually that he was caught and that a few of them have been caught. And it's interesting that it's federal charges, right? Because, and that's actually a good thing because the you know, obviously a police chief is going to know very well the local DA because they have to work a lot on their cases. And not saying that the local DA, you know, condones this or anything like that. I'm not saying that whatsoever. 
But it being a federal crime, it completely takes it away from the local jurisdiction, which I think is very protective and important in these kind of situations because there are contacts. And like you said, who knows, right? Who knows how involved somebody is? You know, we just had in LA the city council member who took a bribe, right, for some sort of development deal. And unfortunately, I think that, you know, money corrupts, power corrupts, and there is this temptation by people who have like this. An ability to hide something like this is probably so easy for a police chief. And like I said, I'm just amazed that they caught him, to be quite yeah. honest. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting saga. My mind starts wondering, well, at what point in his law enforcement career did he, did he start selling drugs, right? And was this something that he just carried with him for years or did he just started while he was chief? Naturally, these details should come out during the trial. All right, here we go. Two former cops have now been charged for federal civil rights violations. Let me show you the video first, here it is. This is bad. We gotta get out of here. We covered this when it first happened. We said on day one, those cops have to be charged. They did not know they were being recorded. They did not provide recording themselves. And what they did was so egregious that it made even the police criticize them. Let's put up the pictures full mass. You're looking at former Crawford County Sheriff's deputies, Zach King on the left and Levi White on the right. These are two former Arkansas officers. They have now been charged with civil rights violations and the violent arrest of a man who was caught on video. 27 years of age was the man or is the man, Randall Worcester. This was outside of Mulberry, Arkansas. This was a outside of a convenience store. I'm gonna give you the background to this. The Justice Department said Tuesday, two are charged with civil rights violations in that violent arrest. In an indictment unsealed Tuesday, a federal grand jury charged White and King with using excessive force by hitting Mr. Worcester multiple times while he was on the ground, as you clearly saw. An attorney for the former deputies, Russell Woods, said his clients deny the allegations in the indictment. Let's put up a picture of the sheriff. That's Sheriff Jimmy DeMonte. The sheriff fired King and White in October. The sheriff DeMonte has said Worcester of Goose Creek, South Carolina was being questioned for threatening a clerk at a nearby convenience store and that he attacked one of the deputies. 
The deputy suffered a concussion according to Sheriff DeMonte. Let me show you another person that seems to have gotten away. This is the other officer. Charges were not announced against the Mulberry police officer, Thale Riddle, who was also in the video. Now, this is probably because he's going to testify against the other cops. The three officers were suspended after the video went viral and the state and federal authorities launched an investigation. Worcester filed a federal lawsuit against the officers and local officials saying they violated his constitutional rights. Let's put up pictures, show some of the injuries. It's a damn shame what they did. Worcester was treated at a hospital, then jailed on charges, including second degree, uh, second degree battery and resisting arrest. He was released the following day on, on a $15,000 bond. Worcester's lawsuit said he has permanent injuries and will need continued medical treatment. Policing experts have said the video raises red flags about the officer's actions, saying that blows to the head amount to a potentially deadly use of force. That's justified only when someone poses a current and serious threat. So let's contextualize this properly. There are those who are simply going to believe the police report. Well, the police report was fabricated, it was a lie. That's going to be another charge, hopefully. Uh, there are those who will say, well, what did this person do to the cops before the video started? You do realize that doesn't matter. Let me say that again. If there was, let's say, an argument, even if there was an encounter that became physical, if, and I'm saying if, all right, once the individual is on the ground, once that person is apprehended, the actions you saw from these cops are still criminal. You see, police officers are not judge, jury, and then your attempted executioner. They are public servants. And they have a lot of public trust. They have a gun and literally a license to kill. With that kind of public trust, you expect them to actually utilize it properly, appropriately to be the professional. You see, the certification says peace officer, peace officer. Their de-escalation training is supposed to kick in at some point. But what you find are individuals who will utilize the opportunity to exact vengeance upon those they do not like. And while some of you may be okay with that, because currently they're knocking on somebody else's door, what happens when they knock on yours? And that's the reason we fight against them. Listen, you may not like how I cover bad police. But I guarantee you, if you encounter one, you hope I show up. Ms. Doll, thoughts? Mm, yes, I love that sentiment. Um, you know, this is what the police officers are going to talk about is self defense, right? We saw it in that statement. Um, and and self-defense is, yes, you can use force if there is still an ongoing threat. So if he did punch a police officer, the question for the jury will be, did the threat end? Because then at that point, the police officer, you know, they, they do have a right to self-defense just like anybody else, even if they don't have a gun. So did the threat 
end. And that video um, where he's laying on the ground, um, not facing them, not trying to punch them. There's those three police officers there. I don't see how his the police officers attorneys can prove that there was an ongoing threat there. And that's the problem, like you said, like at some point the threat ended, but they were so upset that he did, you know, punch them apparently it sounds like or he did resist arrest that there may be human nature kicked in and they just wanted to have vengeance where they have the gun they have the three people they have the power and they're obviously doing too much and and so whatever kind of training they had to be like, yeah, you may not like the way this person acted, but your job is still to be professional. And 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 that's where the crime can come in because it doesn't matter maybe how you felt like if that person bothered you, it's was there a physical threat to you? And I, and I think it's pretty clear by the video there wasn't. Yeah, and obviously a grand jury, a group of citizens, have already agreed looking at the actual evidence. And I will say this about law enforcement departments. They are the only governmental entity who will demand and typically get more money, raises with lower job performance. Okay, think about that. Think about it. no other department inside of local government can make that same proclamation. With that kind of power comes great responsibility. You should want better out of police officers. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left, always good to be with you. Let me read a few of these comments. Very stable photographer says, Hunters never worked in the White House. But a Jared and Ivanka did, should we take a look in their homes and listen? We know one thing about them, they did not get security clearance. Trump had to sign an executive waiver to give it to them because they were denied. All right, we know that for a fact. All right, got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're gonna feel free, back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. You think any police officer would dare touch me? You think? No, 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 I'm not having you see. I don't care. I want to see you. Get the away from me. He's not going anywhere. Shut up. All right. He's not going anywhere. I'm telling you, man, you live All right, you may be wondering what led to this. Well, this particular mayor, Karen, homophobic slurs, obviously was on one. Here's the beginning. You think any police officer will dare touch me? You think? 
If he hits the ball. Let's put this uh, picture up for mass here. Uh, details are hard to come by, trying to get more information about what we just witnessed. We do not have a whole lot of context or background. But naturally, uh, the individual was under arrest. And after he did that, those charges were enhanced. Now, Ms. Dahl. In all of your years as an attorney, have you seen something quite like that before? Where initially it seems as if the person is going to absolutely comply, gave no fight. But it looks as if it was simply to lure the officer into a false sense of security for him to do exactly what he did. What are your thoughts here? I unfortunately think a lot of that this is not that uncommon. Mm. That this is, I think, partly why sometimes police officers can be so trigger happy is because things don't always unfold exactly how you would think they would unfold. I've seen video, um, you know, with certain traffic stops where somebody just kind of pulls out a gun and and shot the police officer, and it didn't seem like that was going to happen. And um, you know, so that's I think the unfortunate thing is it's hard to predict human nature and how somebody's going to react. I mean, he was certainly very volatile, and I think that is why a lot of times now when I see traffic stops, even in my own community, there's never just one police officer anymore. It's usually multiple, and I think that is part of um, the day and age that we are. And I hopefully it protects the police officer from something like this. And then also the person being stopped because hopefully there's somebody who can check the other police officer and then and not escalate from the police's perspective. But I do think that it is, people can be unpredictable. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And listen, policing is a dangerous job. Policing is a dangerous job. It's not the most dangerous job in America as some would like to proclaim, especially cops. The most dangerous job is actually cutting trees. All right, the most dangerous job is cutting trees. Uh, another very dangerous job, uh, working in mines. Another one is working at a convenience store, driving a taxi. All of these jobs, pound for pound based upon region are more dangerous per capita than being a police officer. Because these jobs are dangerous, nobody will give them a pass on the law, period. Death of a local activist causing mayhem in the city I love. Lennox got problems too. After violence disrupted the otherwise peaceful protests over the death of a local activist, Atlanta Mayor Andre Dickens and the police chief, Darren Sherbaum. They made it very clear during a joint presser, they support 
and protect the First Amendment right to peacefully protest, but that there is no room for violence in the city too busy to hate. Demonstrators were demanding investigation into the death of 26 year old protester Manuel Esteban Paez Terran, killed by Georgia State Troopers during a sweep of Entrenchment Creek Park. That was on Wednesday. Officials said troopers don't have body worn cameras recording encounters, just their dash cams. Additionally, seven people were arrested during the sweep charged with domestic terrorism. Charged with domestic terrorism. That area is the planned site for the Atlanta Public Safety Training Center. Investigators said Taryn did not comply with commands by a joint task force and that he fired at a trooper first. That from Fox 5 in Atlanta. On Friday, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation released this picture of the gun the agency said they found on Taryn. Officials said ballistic investigators matched that gun to the bullet that wounded the trooper. Taryn's mother, Belkis, spoke to CNN by phone from Panama Saturday night, expressing disbelief in law enforcement's recounting of the incident. They said he had a gun. If he had one, it was for protecting himself against the animals in the forest. That's what I understand. That from his mother. Activists associated with protesting the facility also disputed law enforcement's account calling Tehran a forest defender working to fight environmental racism. They said he identified as non-binary, was a sweet, warm, very smart and caring person. Following a Friday memorial service, friends called Tehran Tortuguita. The chief said a crowd gathered for a peaceful protest at underground Atlanta. For about an hour, people dressed in black marched along Peachtree Street, downtown Atlanta. They demanded justice. However, when that group arrived at the intersection of Ellis Street and Peachtree Street, group inside that marching crowd decided to start committing illegal acts, including breaking windows and attacking police cruisers that were in the area, according to the chief. He went on to say some of those individuals were actors who have participated in other protests in the past. Mayor Dickens said some of them even carried explosives. Fox 5 live when one of those vehicles suddenly bursts into flames. Individuals also seen on camera busting out the windows of another police car. Three businesses along Peachtree Street also had window damage, but no protesters or officers involved reported injuries. Now, the chief said within two blocks, the illegal activity stopped. Six individuals were arrested. And let's leave that right there. Naja Gear, 24 of Nashville, Tennessee. Madeline Viola, 22 of Spokane, Washington. Ivan Ferguson, 22 of Nevada. Graham Avat, 20 of Decatur, Georgia. Francis Carroll, 22 of Kennebunkport, Maine. And Emily Murphy, age 37 of Gross Isle, Michigan. Each charged with four misdemeanors and four felonies. Mayor, if you could start with the picture and react to that, the arrestees. 
Yeah, I, I am. I am. I'm baffled that people are charged with domestic terrorism for protesting, but we can't get domestic terrorist charges for people running up in the Capitol on January the sixth. That part. Amazing how swift they are to put down protests and to hear an, a mayor who was an activist himself, Andre, uh, come out and defend property over people. Because let's be let's be honest, all of that property can be replaced and will be replaced by insurance checks. Uh, this young man, this activist life will not be back. Um, and I, I think it's interesting that one, uh, his, he's portrayed by everybody that knew him as a pacifist. Mm. Uh, one who was wouldn't hurt an animal, let, let alone another human, who slept in the woods for six months protecting the woods from what was gonna Environmentalist. be. Environmentalist. Exactly, exactly. For six months he slept out there with no incidents. Um, and it wasn't until police officers started to sweep people out, but they wouldn't affect construction of Cop City. People that don't know what Cop City was, is this 85 acre place they were building to have a training ground. So supposedly to lift the morale of police officers. Um, and I think these people were pushing back on the idea that we need more acreage dedicated to people who are committing murders, just like we saw of this, this activist, this young environmentalist. As it pertains to those who were arrested and where they were from, it's interesting to see that people all over this country are coming down to the South to, pro to protest what looks like an abuse of one, Taxpayer dollars to build more policing when we got so much homeless problems in Atlanta, and we're not spending eighty-five million dollars or whatever ninety million dollars to build a facility for them and to house people, but we still are spending more and more resources on a police department that has so many flaws. And I think now that we see that this was a state trooper, immediately we hear that the governor has a comment about who's going to investigate. So you have you have the state troopers investigating themselves. And they are the only people that said that they found a gun and we have no camera footage to prove them wrong, which means this story will go just that way. Wow, um, yeah, they're, they're training for war. That's what they need this facility for, boost morale. Training for war, Mayor, um, and I don't wanna date myself, but as a little girl growing up in the Philadelphia area, I remember Mayor Good's struggle. Black mayor, Philadelphia, and Frank Rizzo, the powerful white police chief. And that's how we ended up with MOVE, which may not be charged, but that was murder. And I wonder if you could speak to the relationship between black mayors and police chiefs. Now, Atlanta's had police chiefs, diversity, but the relationship nonetheless, the push-pull, uh, somewhat beholden, although I know Mayor Dickens would not appreciate that word. But speak to that. Yeah, I think I think this is this goes back to the idea that Democrats feel like they have to show up and and abide by Republican talking points. You hear Democrats, even Joe Biden, uh, all the way down to the local level. You hear politicians talking about tough on crime or not in my city, or we need to support police officers at all costs. When we know that is that is a to say that is to discount what black people are living through as it pertains to the torture and terror that police officers enact on our communities, black and brown people in this case. And I think Andre finds himself in, a, in an interesting position where he has to make a choice where he's gonna remain the activist at heart or he's gonna become the politician that defends property and people and status quo behavior, which is taking the side of police officers in the, in the, in the face of 
what seems like a murder where we don't have, like I said, we don't have footage to say that the officers are wrong because they weren't wearing their body cameras. Is it finally done, Mayor? And I'll leave you with this quickly as we're about to go to break where people are just supposed to accept what the police version is. I mean, I thought that from the inside as a journalist for decades, when I was handed a slip of paper with the police account and I was told to spit it out and I refuse, it's gotta be qualified, doesn't it? I think you're absolutely right. And I think for, 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 and when you say people are no longer, I think this younger generation, because it's probably the blackest and brownest generation we've ever had, Z and also millennials, 42% something other than white, people are not sitting idle like our grandparents. We are not a small portion of the population that's willing to be killed by this force, talking about police institutions, and not say anything about it. There's something completely wrong with how we police black and brown bodies in this country, and people are absolutely fed up with it. Now listen to young people, the browning of America, it's a beautiful thing. All right, okay, we got an update to a story we first covered. A public safety director who told a child, a young person that he's the chief of police, which was a lie. This public safety director has now been charged with a crime. As we say, they should have been on day one. Nobody's above the law. Let me remind you of the video. Here it is. I'm gonna beat your ass, and then I'm gonna take you to jail. What? What I do? Get out of here! I can't even do that. Yeah, you can. What I do? Go. What I do? Go. That battery. Get out of here! It's disturbing the peace. You hit me because of disturbing the peace. Yeah, it's a crime. You need to go. How do I disturb? I ain't seen anyone pick up. Disturb my peace, please. You just committed battery. No, yes. No, you hit it with a flashlight. That's battery. Get out of here. How is that right? Police. Battery, right? Mm -hmm. Look out. Yep, that's right. You call the cops. You just committed battery, right? Chief of police. Call the cops. That doesn't work that way, dude. Yeah. You're gonna tell me the law? What you big some legal scholar on the Supreme Court? No, but like, what are we doing? Chief of police. police. You can't. You, you there's only one person disturbing the peace. We called it on day one. Now that cop has been charged. Put up his picture full mass. There is something really, really perverted about an individual who will work in the industry but get upset when you are aware of the law. Think about this. How many times has a police officer actually been happy that you knew the law? Or do they get upset by the very notion that you understand legal protocol? You see, officers who are sworn to uphold the law should be thrilled that there are citizens who know it. Let me put it in another context. It would be like me being a professor and I'm upset that a student is aware of the subject matter. I'm happy. When a student is aware of the subject matter I teach, because that is the standard I uphold. I'm a professor. If you are a law enforcement agent, you should be happy. There are citizens who are aware of the law, because this is what you do, this is what you uphold. How can you be antithetical to the very thing you took an oath to?
That's perversion, in my opinion. Now, let me give you the background to this individual and what has happened. What you did not see is that the cop hit the teenager with the flashlight. All right, that's a crime. It's unwanted physical contact is what it is. The former Michigan Public Safety Director who allegedly threatened and assaulted teenagers has now been charged. His name is Michael Check Kenny. Michael threatened and assaulted teenagers, according to the narrative, who were riding bird scooters in a park or a parking lot. He's been charged. Allegedly also struck one of the teens with a flashlight. He was off duty at the time, but used his badge while threatening the teens with violence. No one is above the law and members and members of law enforcement should not expect special treatment when they abuse their authority. That's what the Michigan Attorney General said in regards to the incident. So the public safety director is charged with misdemeanor assault and battery. And let me let me throw it to you this way, Ms. Dahl. So he's charged. I mean, he did not beat the teenagers. He hit them, all right? That's the allegation. That is unwanted physical contact, obviously. It is against the law to do so. Anybody else would have been charged with a misdemeanor as well. But you see, he's an officer. And he did a few things here that I find to be quite egregious. And I would like your comments on it. Number one, he was menacing. I mean, he basically utilized his position to intimidate a citizen. That should be an aggravator to the offense, in my opinion. Also, he misrepresented his post. He's a public safety director. Now, granted, he said he was chief of police, which is typically a lower level than public safety director. But naturally, it is not his represented designation. He was not the chief of police, he was the public safety director. Is there some there there? All right, what are your thoughts? I think you're right. They probably could have, if they had wanted to, kind of gotten even a little bit more creative in terms of maybe like, you know, with his. Especially with intimidation and harassment, I think for sure. But the fact that he even got charged with assault, I think is progress, right? I feel like we've talked about stories like this. And I think five years ago, he probably wouldn't have been charged at all. So at least there's progress in that. And I have to say, I 100% agree with you about, you know, it just being a power struggle and that people should know the law and he should not be upset by that. And that's actually one of the reasons why I love being a legal analyst is because I feel like we often think that the law is should like the knowledge of the law should only belong to some people. And I think the law is actually quite simple and it's power for us to know what does the Supreme Court decision really mean? You know, what is that bill that Congress is passing in my name? You know, what is my what are my rights when a police officer stops me? Like all of that stuff is so accessible and I and I love talking about that with people because I I think the more that we all really understand what is going on in our names, which everybody absolutely can, it's I think really simple. I think that you know that's democracy, right? Um, otherwise, this is an example of some sort of military state where only I get to know what you can and cannot do. And um, the more people know their rights, the more the more our democracy is stronger. I agree 100% with that. So this guy is no longer the public safety director, just so everyone knows that. And he shouldn't be, but think about it. If a kid is able to bruise your ego like that, imagine how he has dealt with other people in his profession. 
All right, we have more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back, a lot of show left. Let me give a big thank you to Soul Life, who just gifted five indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie memberships. Thank you so much for that. We really appreciate your continued support. All right, the district attorney out of Georgia, Fonnie Willis, says a decision is imminent as it relates to Donald Trump and the entire investigation into his meddling in Georgia elections. All right, so the Fulton County DA, Fonnie Willis, has suggested Tuesday that a decision on whether to seek indictment is imminent. She says it is following an eight month special grand jury investigation. The terminology special grand jury is important, I will explain in just a moment. This special grand jury investigation dealt with former President Donald Trump and his allies and their potential criminal conduct in Georgia's 2020 elections. We all heard the recordings. Her comments came at the beginning of a 90 minute hearing in which the Superior Court judge, his name is Robert McBurney, considered whether and when to release the grand jury's final report. The document is expected to include the group's findings and charging recommendations. Okay, understand how this works because there's already spin coming from Trump's camp and they literally released a statement saying, we must conclude that there's absolutely nothing here and that's the reason why we're not moving forward. The grand jury under Georgia law, does not have the authority to indict, okay? So when attorneys come out saying, well, that means that there's going to be no indictment. They don't even have the authority to indict. How is that so? How does a grand jury not have the authority to indict? Well, a special purpose or special use grand jury in the state of Georgia is an investigative body. They have significant investigative ability. They can literally convene for one year and investigate whatever they choose, go down all rabbit holes, all right? That's a lot of authority for one group of individuals. So the state law checks that authority by saying, we will give you subpoena power. We will, we will give you the power to investigate whatever you say you want to investigate. We will give you this authority. But one authority we're going to take away is your ability to indict. So this special purpose grand jury cannot indict. But they can make recommendations. If they have made recommendations to indict or to follow a particular line of evidence, that means another grand jury, a normative grand jury will be convened. And that grand jury can make a decision on the recommendations or provide additional evidence by way of subpoena. All right, so the DA Willis and her team argued the report should be kept under seal for now. The state understands the media's inquiry, the world's interest. We have to be mindful of protecting future defendants rights, the DA said. Without commenting on those future defendants, maybe Willis said decisions are imminent. 
at this time in the interest of justice and the rights of not the state but others, we are asking that the report not be released. And this is really interesting because she just told you what's up. She said, um, we're trying to protect future defendants. You gotta think about this or not, future defendants, always coming, okay? There's more, McBurney the judge and granted there's not a lot of precedent here because these kinds of grand juries are so rare, you don't have a lot of precedent. So McBurney the judge noted that there is very little legal precedent guiding him, since special grand juries are rare, pressing the DA's office. He said the Congressional Select Committee investigating the Jan 6, 2021 insurrection at the US Capitol examined many of the same topics as the Fulton County Special Grand Jury and did so in public. Now we'll submit this for the record. While the judge is accurate in that proclamation, the Jan 6 investigation was not a criminal investigation in nature, it was not. And it was in fact very political, as I said on day one. There's a political dynamic and then there is a legal dynamic, but it was never a criminal investigation. This has real criminal penalty, which creates a different dynamic, all right? So the January 6th commission, according to the judge, seemed to do what it did and DOJ did not have the shutdown after those referrals came, he said, referring to the Justice Department which is conducting its own probe. At the end of the hearing, McBurney, the judge, said he had yet to make up his mind about sealing the report. He could decide to redact portions of the document and then release it. Trump defended his post-election conduct in Georgia with a pair of falsehood field posts on his social media platform, Truth Social, early Tuesday. So Trump wants you to believe he was actually just a protester. That's all he was doing, he was protesting, okay? So Trump said, I was protesting a rigged and stolen election, which evidence proves it was and it doesn't. I won Georgia by a lot, he says, but only needed a small number of votes from that total number, meaning the lot he's talking about. They cheated in many ways, including stuffing ballots, all caught live on tape <laughs> once again, another lie, all right? Okay, Ms. Dahl, thoughts here. You know, as much as I really want Trump to be indicted for what he did in Georgia, because I think that's a crime. I actually think it's a bad precedent to steal the report. Grand juries by nature are so secretive, unlike typical juries, you never even find out who sits on them. And then on top of it to have the report sealed, I think doesn't give enough transparency. And I think that actually could be a bad precedent for future grand juries that are convened like that. Yeah, and you know what will happen, you release the information too soon, Trump gets a hold of it, starts to pick people apart, right? By putting his cronies on them, we know the play here. Governor Ron DeSatan is now threatening to arrest school teachers because they have the audacity to have books in the classroom, just regular books. Let me give you this story. Teachers in Manatee County, this is in Florida obviously, are being told to make their classroom libraries and any other 
unvetted book inaccessible to students or risk felony prosecution. You need to hear this. Felony prosecution for school teachers that have books in the classroom. The new policy is part of an effort to comply with the new laws and regulations championed by Governor Ron DeSantis, a Republican. It is based on the premise promoted by right wing advocacy groups that teachers and librarians are using books to groom students or indoctrinate them with leftist ideologies. Now remember, this is coming from the same governor who basically said during a press conference not too long ago that it is okay to lie to children and dismiss the reality of America's racist history. He's okay with that kind of revisionist history. But he's not okay with school teachers who have been trained, have gone to school, who have been certified by the state in order to teach curriculum. He does not trust them to make this decision. He trusts who? Oh, the extremist right wing agenda. Those are the people pushing him, that is their agenda they're pushing. All right, Kevin Chapman. Kevin Chapman is the chief of staff for the county school district, told popular information that the policy was communicated to principals in a meeting last Wednesday. Individual schools are now in the process of informing teachers and other staff. Teachers in the county lamented the news on social media. One said, my heart is broken for Florida students today as I am forced to pack up my classroom library. Let's put up the full post here, okay? It goes on to say, due to the new law that went into effect on December 31st, all teachers must remove all books that have not been vetted by the state or risk being charged with a third degree felony and losing our license to teach. This applies to both public and government funded charter schools. The vetting process for new books is cumbersome. So even accepting donated books from parents and community members will not be allowed. The process of finding the list of approved books is also incredibly difficult. Now remember, all of this is difficult by design. It is difficult by design. They are not allowing best practices in education to inform the decision here. Powers that be are simply creating. They are creating mass policy predicated on one dynamic, white supremacy. And I'm going to explain how that connects in just a moment. All right, another teacher called the directives a travesty to education. That interfered with efforts to connect with books and develop a loving and lifelong learning. Farewell, classroom library. We'll see you soon. Now I want you to see that picture. Look at that picture, okay? Does that look like something that a person should be arrested for felony acts for? That right there, books, books. 
Hashtag save our libraries, hashtag trust teachers, hashtag readers are leaders, hashtag dissent ass, which is great, hashtag Florida. As an educator, I have spent the past 18 years of my life dedicated to providing students with quality literature, helping them connect with books and develop a love of lifelong learning. Receiving notice today that classroom libraries are to be dismantled is a travesty to education. Yes, the future of our children and our nation. In an interview with Popular Information, Mr. Chapman said that the policy was put into place last week in response to House Bill 1467, which is now signed into law by DeSantis. That law established that teachers could not be trusted to select books appropriate for their students. In Florida, school librarians are called media specialists and hold media specialist certificates. A rule passed by the Florida Department of Education last week states that a library media center includes any books made available to students, including in classrooms. This means that classroom libraries that students are curated by teachers, not librarians, are now illegal. They are illegal against the law. There was ambiguity about this during the signing of the bill. As a matter of fact, some Republicans assumed when they backed the play of Governor DeSantis, they were not going to eliminate a teacher's ability to teach. So the Department of Education basically weighed in on the policy later, which provided this now conclusive result that DeSatan wanted in the beginning. Now. What do we have so far? So the state of Florida says you cannot teach based on your literature in the classroom. Now it is a felony. They already passed the Stop Woke Act, the Don't Say Gay Act, the Can't Teach African American Studies Act. Now, damn it, I mean what I'm about to say. Some teachers are going to have to get arrested for this to stop. And I promise you, if I was still a K through 12 educator, they would have had to lock my ass up before they ever took a book out of my classroom with my students. At least they would have known what side I was on. Now, don't say that lightly because I know it's already difficult for what teachers have to go through on a regular basis. I was adopted by a school teacher. My mother is a school teacher. She saved my life. I became a school teacher because of her. I'm a college professor today. I worked as a high school teacher, a high school principal. This is not about education. This is about creating a mind that's apathetic to the reality of this country. Here's what they know. They know the students, those scholars, those young scholars are the future decision makers. Of America. They know that these young scholars will correct what they broke, will fix what they destroyed. And when that happens, the indictment will be upon them. They know that these children are going to remedy the social ills created by them and their ancestors. This is not about protecting children, ladies and gentlemen. This is about protecting themselves. Please understand 
what's happening here. And now I have to bypass all of the bureaucracy. I have to bypass the politicians and talk directly to the teachers. Once again, I don't say this lightly. You're gonna have to stand up. I will stand up with you. I will do whatever I can. I will try to provide some legal counsel by way of paying for some lawyers to help. Whatever I can do, but you cannot let them do this. If they continue to do this, it's going to permeate throughout this whole country. The man is going to run for president. What do you think he's going to do? Leave it all in Florida? You think he's going to leave it in Florida? Listen, Dr. King had a very simple strategy. Dr. King had to show the world how egregious the activity was happening in the South. So he had to provide contrast. People who were college students, high school students, had to become had to become inmates in order to get things to change. It is a sobering sentiment, I know. But I promise you, there are some things worth getting arrested for, and children are definitely at the top of the list. All right, share your thoughts here. Dr. Richie, I have chills. As you know, I'm the daughter of a teacher and a principal. But I have chills because I agree with everything you said. I am sharing the screen today with a man who loves learning so much. He's a doctor. He can't stop learning and wants to share with others. I have chills, if only people would vet the politicians the Mm. way Yes. This governor wants to vet books. Instead of being against everything. I mean, he he loves being ignorant. It should be called the Stay Ignorant Act. Because that's what he desires. And you're exactly right. Dangerous. There are children, Dr. Richie, I'll end with this, who don't even have a book. You and I worked at the same place before. Remember, we would gift them their very first book bag full of books. That's right. And their eyes were filled with joy and they compared and wanted to trade. And now this fool down in Florida wants to spread his ignorance. Really like a communicable disease. He really wants to spread this thing, you're right, throughout the country. It's sick, it can't happen. I, I concur, there has to be a leader somewhere. I mean, in the whole state, there's not a superintendent of schools. There's not a school board chairperson. There's not a group of affiliated professionals in education who are willing to stand up in specific ways, file lawsuits, yes. Sometimes you just have to stand there and let them make the next move. Right? All right, we're going to continue to follow the story and all of the other ridiculous stories coming out of Florida. Okay. Um, This is going to be an extremely difficult story when the video is released. It's already a difficult story. But when you see what happened, let's put up the picture. Tyreek Nichols family reviewed gruesome body cam footage. Attorneys for the family, they saw this young man, black man in Memphis who died over a traffic stop. 
They have said the video footage shows he suffered a nonstop beating at the hands of the police. Let's put up the attorney. Attorney Antonio Romanucci said in a statement, he was defenseless the entire time. He was a human pinata, he says, for those police officers. It was an unadulterated, unabashed, nonstop beating of this young boy for three minutes. Rodney Wales, this is the father, said, and I quote, What I saw on the video today was horrific. No father, mother should have to witness what I saw today. Put up the scumbags who did it. Those are the scumbags who allegedly did this. Memphis Police Department terminated the five officers. After an administrative investigation found they violated department policies for use of force, duty to intervene, duty to render aid. As of this time, no criminal charges have been rendered, but they will be. They will be. I received a call at about 10 p.m. last night. I haven't seen the video. But this call I received came from a government official who did, who happens to be a fan of Indisputable. And he said to me, he said, Dr. Ritchie, what I saw made me want to go out on these streets. It's coming. The video is coming. It may actually come out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to deal with this. Now, to uh, those scumbag cops, you're going to prison. Uh, hopefully forever, okay? The department's account of Nichols' encounter, um, it says Nichols' death came three days after the department said officers pulled over motorists, identified as Nichols for alleged reckless driving the previous day. The previous day, okay? A confrontation followed and the suspect, Fled the scene on foot, police said in a statement on social media. Officers chased. Officers chased them. And another confrontation took place before the suspect was taken into custody, the statement said. Afterward, he complained of having shortness of breath, at which time an ambulance was called to the scene. The suspect was transported to the St. Francis Hospital in critical condition. He died a few days later. Release of arrest footage to follow investigation. The Shelby County DA's office expects to release the video of the arrest either this week or next week. Once again, I have been told by my source that this video may come out as soon as tomorrow. Okay, um, what can you say? Hmm? What can you say? So we will obviously bring you this as it comes. We will deal with it when it comes. But this should not be the reality for anybody in this country. Black, white, brown, it doesn't matter. This should never be your reality. All right, Ms. Dahl, thoughts here. 
Oh, I mean, it's tragic and it's murder. And from I've read some of what that video is gonna say and it sounds just horrific. And just looking at those pictures, five officers with one unarmed man, like yep. that alone, it's like almost like uh, like a gang violence there at that point. So yeah, it's just, it's tragic, it shouldn't be happening in America. It only happens in America, uh, you know, like you said, this is why you do your show. You yeah. have to keep fighting these fights. Unfortunately, you, it's astounding that it keeps happening, but it does. Always a pleasure having your legal and analytical insight on these issues. Ms. Dahl, tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. Thank you so much for having me. They can follow me at Ask Dina Dahl across all platforms, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. Thank you, as always. Thank you. We have more on the other side. The bullpen is next. Stick and stay.